I don't know if it was happening to you, but as, as Tim and Christy were singing, I kept thinking of the different lyrics and thinking, oh man, I could be thankful for that. You know, I think my heart has been turned to thankfulness this morning, which I'm grateful for. Every year about this time, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, my heart gets tugged back to a psalm, Psalm 50, and one specific line in that psalm. Psalm 50, verse 14, I think we have it up on the screen. It says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. I like this verse. And frankly, if we lived this verse 52 weeks out of the year, our witness would probably hold more credibility because sometimes we're, we're cranky people. <laughs> sometimes we're grumbling people. Sometimes we're complaining people. But if our sacrifice is thankfulness, what a difference that would make. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. This is part of why we wrote a psalm of thankfulness to start us off with. When we come before God in his house, at his altar, we should be thankful people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, let me take a turn. Let me go a different direction than we may have anticipated with the same verse. This last week, a different word struck me. Different than thankfulness. And there's not too many words in this verse, so you may be able to guess which word it was. It's this. Psalm 50, verse 14. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And it changes things. Read that with me. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Sacrifice. Don't answer out loud, but when you hear that word, what do you think of? Sacrifice. Yeah, I think of death. I, a couple people laughed. <laughs> okay, that's what I think of. I think of death. I think of dying. I think of the Old Testament sacrificial system, right? Blood, Bulls, goats, lamb, sheep, doves being sacrificed just about every hour. That's what I think of when I hear the term sacrifice. I think of having to let go, having to give up. I asked JJ, my oldest, my youngest, not my oldest, wow, my youngest, on Monday as I was driving him to school, which will happen for the last time because he gets his permit on Monday. Oh. <laughs> I thank the Lord with all my heart. For the 15 years, he's let me drive JJ. Anyways, I asked him on Monday morning as I was driving him to school, what does he think of when he thinks of the word sacrifice? And he thinks giving up, letting go, right? It's similar, like, to me. I think of dying, death, but not always just, like, literal death. I think of, like, the sacrifice of, let's go with time. If you didn't know it, I'm a selfish person. So if I have an evening planned out that I'm doing the things I want to do, if somebody else needs me... To me, that's a sacrifice of time because I don't get to do what I want to do, but I have to do what they want to do. So it's death to my plans. It sounds kind of harsh. Come on. You guys laughed. <laughs> I hope this knocks me off the pedestal here. Death to my plans, right? Okay, same thing with like sacrificial giving. We're supposed to give with, with good hearts, but sometimes giving is hard for me. Right? Sometimes we give to good causes, especially this time of year. We're given to uh, Christmas tree charities and um, you know, food banks, all those sort of things. It's good, but when I give, it's a death to what I want to do with the money. That's me. That's what I think of when I think of sacrifice. Do you track it with me? What if sacrifice didn't mean dying, but meant fully living? What if sacrifice didn't mean dying, but meant fully living? I was spending time in Romans 12 earlier this week, and it got me thinking about this. And I actually read Romans 12 differently than I ever have before. 
I read it and I thought, you know what? What if sacrifice didn't mean dying but meant fully living? So I've been sitting with this, 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 this word thankfulness, not thankfulness, sacrifice this week, partially because of Psalm 50, but also partially because of Romans 12, and because we have been spending time over the last two weeks in spiritual gifts. It, it, it's kind of like piecing a puzzle together. I'm trying to help you into my mind. Okay? Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and spiritual gifts. Last week, we were around t- tables eating donuts, talking about Ephesians 4 and spiritual gifts, and I didn't want to leave this topic quite yet. So I went to Romans 12, which is a, another chapter where Paul gives a list of spiritual gifts. And it happens to be a chapter that I've read countless times, because about a decade ago, I heard a megachurch pastor say that he read Romans 12 twice a day for an entire year. And I thought, well, if he could do it, I could do it, right? So I made it about a week. <laughs> but I read Romans 12 a whole bunch during that week. And I'll admit, every time I read it, I read it through a certain lens. And every time I read it before and after, I've read it through a certain lens. But this week, my lens shifted. My gaze shifted. The focus shifted. I had this epiphany that maybe some of you had in second grade Sunday school class. And if you've already had my epiphany, just grin and nod as I preach and pretend it's really deep and powerful for you too because it was for me. And if it's not, just keep grinning and nodding. Paolo's grinning and nodding. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. If you don't, I'll read not all of it, but parts of it out loud. Romans 12, 1 and 2 begin like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I'm sure you guys have heard sermons preached on Romans 12. It's a beautiful chapter. I've probably preached on it before. But it caught my attention, like I said, differently this year. A living and holy sacrifice is what he says. Our bodies is a living and holy sacrifice, not copying the ways of the world, letting God transform our minds. There's there's like a, a whole month worth of sermons in there, maybe three months worth of sermons. Every other time that I've read this passage, I've pictured sacrifice as dying, right? Let your body be a living sacrifice. To me, it meant, okay, I, I don't get to do the things I want to do, because right? I sacrificing my things. Like, I don't get to take long bike rides or go on kayak rides or, or watch fun shows. I don't get to, you know, I don't get to eat food that makes me go, mmm. I don't get to watch movies that make me laugh. I, I don't get to sit on the back deck leisurely in the summer because if I'm doing those things, that's good and that's not sacrifice because sacrifice to me means dying to everything. Makes sense to me? It makes sense to me. When I picture, like, living as a sacrifice, I picture living as a monk, Brown robes, a belt around the waist, a bald spot. I'm working on that. Okay? A funky haircut all the way around, eating locusts and honey. There are some days I want to be a monk, but most days that sounds boring. It sounds terrible. That's what I picture as sacrifice. When I'm living a miserable, boring life because I've sacrificed, I've died to myself, then God will show me what is good. Then he'll show me what is pleasing. Then he'll show me what is worship. That's the way I used to read this verse, these passages. 
And if I ever started thinking, I deserve better than a brown robe and a belt, then I'd go to verse 3, where Paul admonishes his readers. He says, because of the privilege and authority God's given me, I give you each this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. I had that told to me once in, a, uh, in a, an evaluation from a boss to me. Didn't go over well. <laughs> Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. Right? As soon as we start thinking, I deserve better than the monk robes, Paul says, wait, 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 sacrifice, sacrifice, death, death, death. This is how I would read this passage. Right? Death to you, to the life you think you know will be best for you. Verses 1 through 3, that's how I've read it. I realize that's probably not the most theologically accurate way to read it. And that's probably not the, the most pastoral way to exegete that text. I just wanted to say exegete because it sounds cool. It's confessions of a pastor. Sometimes we read passages I'm not going to say wrong, because I think God probably wanted me to hear that passage in that way for a lot of times, but God wanted me to hear it differently this time. Because after verse 3 comes, help me out, verse... Good, right? All the math whizzes are like, yes, after verse 4 comes verse, and then 7 and 8. There, don't go to 9. We're not going that far today. I just read this passage about sacrifice and giving and, and you know, robes and things that aren't really in here, but then we get to verse 4. And Paul shifts directions. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong together. How does that fit with verses 1 to 3? I mean, it's all in the same paragraph in my Bible. It might not be in yours. Maybe it's different. But I read that and I'm like, that just doesn't fit. Maybe Paul got like sidetracked. When he's writing, maybe he had a squirrel moment, you know, sacrifice, let your bodies be this living and holy thing that you can't do any fun and, well, many parts. And then he goes on to talk about spiritual gifts. It doesn't fit to me. Verses six to eight in the English Standard Version. I think I have that. There we go. Having gifts that differ according to the grace God has given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That's verses uh, 4 through 8. That to me don't really fit with 1 through 3. I'm sitting there just like, why? Why would Paul say this? Maybe he had that squirrel moment, right? But maybe not. Perhaps Paul wanted these two things, these two ideas, sacrifice and gifts, intertwined. Perhaps he wanted them intermingled to where we would see them somehow together. I mean, in verse 6, Paul says, let us use them. Let us use the gifts God gives us. Last week, we sat around tables we ate donuts, really good donuts. Some of you had a banana for the healthy part of it. And we talked about our spiritual gifts. If you weren't here, hopefully you had a chance to take your spiritual gifts test. If this is the first you're hearing of spiritual gifts, come and talk to me after. I want to show you this really cool tool that helps you realize how God has hardwired you. All right, as you sat around those tables, I got to hear some of the evaluations from people. And there were some people who were getting excited about 
how God had gifted them. There's some people who were thinking, oh, I'd never thought about it this way. I could do this, or I could do that. There's this possibility. They were thinking of their gifts not as drudgery, not as, oh, if I say this out loud, James is going to make me do it in the church, but as a, wait, what? This, this is how I'm made. This is, this is really what I could do. Now, this is where I had my aha moment. When I was thinking of that and thinking of these two seemingly different parts of the text, but somehow intertwined, I started thinking, what if my sacrifice was actually living how God made me to be? What if my living and holy sacrifice didn't mean dying to who I I think I want to be, but actually living to who God has made me to be? Right? What if it means finding my gifts, my passions, my strengths, my joys, and actually doing them? Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, how many of you have spent your life trying to stick yourself in a box that the world tells you you should be stuck in and live that way? Yeah, verse 3, reread it. Don't be confused. That's going to take us back to that. There is tremendous freedom in the thought of God making us a specific way and then us being able to live that way fully living. So what if our sacrifice wasn't dying, but actually living how God made us to be? What got me thinking of that wasn't reading verses 6 through 8 in the English Standard Version, which is what was up on the screen. I read it in the King James Version. also read it in the uh, New American Standard Version. I read it in the NIV. All different translations that are good, that are solid, that are quality translations. But as I read verses 6 through 8 in those translations, they seemed a little bit non-emotive. Then I read it in the New Living Translation, and it just opened it up for me. Listen to verses 6 through 8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If God has given you the ability to serve others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If, it's, if God's given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Maybe it's just because of how I read it, but did you sense a little bit? <laughs> I read the other one kind of monotone. I'm trying to bait you guys here. Yeah, let me, but in here... It just seems a little bit more alive. If you have the gift of prophesying, speak out. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. Right? If you have the gift of leadership, lead well. If you have the gift of giving, give. I mean, I read those and I think, wait, if, if we've got that gift and we're excited when we do it, all of a sudden life comes alive. And what if our sacrifice doesn't mean dying to everything we think others want us to be or who we think we should be in brown robes in a monk bald spot, but what if it means living exactly who God made us to be? I think we would live with more gusto and joy than many of us do. Let me show you what I mean. I have, uh, I have, I have three gifts. or my, I hope, Hopefully I have more than that. But my top three gifts... Uh, last week in the spiritual gifts test were leadership, craftsmanship, and teaching. All right, leadership, craftsmanship, and teaching. And let me, let me show you how, what those look like for me, kind of lived out. Teaching. If you don't know, I don't like speaking in front of people. Never have. I don't think I ever will. 
It runs in the family. A lot of you know that, but I don't like that. But when I have a chance to open Scripture, to dig deeply into it, to study it, to pray over it, and when all of a sudden I have an aha moment, and I'm like, ooh, that makes sense to me. I could share that with somebody else. And, and I get to stand up here on a Sunday morning, and I get to hopefully make Scripture, which can be confusing and hard to understand at times. I can make it understandable. That's teaching. And when I can do that well, you know what? I'm fully alive. I go home at night exhausted because I'm an introvert, but I'm fully alive when I can live into that gift. Craftsmanship. Some of you know it, some of you don't. I like, I like working with tools. I like building things. I built a headboard and a, and a bed frame out of wood pallets. Abby knows that when I get my Carhartt pants on, something's about to happen. Oh, James got his work pants on. <laughs> New project. Get the hammer, get the drill. I like mowing the lawn. I like raking leaves. I like helping Abby in the garden. I, help, I like building things. Why? Because that's how God has made me. I have the gift of craftsmanship. And when I do that, I feel fully alive. I can work 15 hours in the yard and come in and be energized as long as I have my work pants on. Gift of leadership. When I've had a chance over the last six or seven years to work with Coach Mace, with the, leader, the captains on the football team, when I can see seniors in high school starting to get what it means to lead both on and off the field, I come fully alive. When I get to sit with our board and our cabinet and, and walk with them as they're discovering their gifts and leading in those gift sets and, and leading the church in how they are hardwired, when I get to lead them in that, I become fully alive. And all of a sudden, I'm living into my three top gifts. It's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice full of joy. So maybe sacrifice doesn't mean dying. It means truly living. When God has made me who I get to be, I'm fully alive. And it becomes worship. That's what the verse says. Right? Verse, uh, verse 2, this is truly the way we worship him. Our bodies are living in holy sacrifices. And if we're living into who God has made us to be, that's why I think Paul put these together. These gifts become our sacrifice, but it can be life-giving and meaning and full. And we can go to bed fulfilled, content, knowing, okay, I did what God made me to do. And when we go to bed and when we pray at night, maybe we're not praying, okay, Lord, I didn't sacrifice today because I didn't give up this and I didn't not do that. But instead, we can pray, Lord, thank you for making me me, for giving me the gifts I've gotten and allowing me to use them. And because of that, I'm worshiping you. Thank you. We become thankful people, which, funny enough, ties us right back to Psalm 50, verse 14 which says make thankfulness our sacrifice to God. Anybody get at all excited about living into your gifts? I tell you what, if you need to sit with those for a few more weeks or months, do it. Because when you're in a role that God has made you to do, and it doesn't have to be a job, when you're doing the things God has made you to do, life is good, and you can be fully alive.